0: Hello! So this episode answers three specific questions that I receive regularly from the UA community. Now I'll share my answers and I'll also give you some key strategies that you can use to simplify your build or renovation. So let's dive in, okay? Welcome to Get It Right with the Undercover Architect. This is the podcast all about designing, building or renovating your home. I'm your host Amelia Lee. Think of me as your secret ally. I am on a mission to help you create a home that makes your life better, whoever you're working with and whatever your dreams, your location or your budget. Together we'll uncover the nitty gritty of how to get it right and how to create a home that works, feels great and that you feel great in. So join me now. Now at Undercover Architect, I receive lots of questions from homeowners, you know, between comments on the blog, people getting in touch over email or social media, and from the members in my online programs, it's always awesome to see what homeowners are curious about and to see the specific help that they're needing. Now, I've selected these three questions because I receive them really regularly. And these questions are number one, what is the best stage to get a quantity surveyor in to do a cost report on your design? Number two is, do I really need a project manager on my new build or renovation? And number three is, how do I find time to get my reno or building planning started? All right, so we're going to dive right in and we're going to start with question number one. What is the best stage to get a quantity surveyor in to do a cost report on your design? So firstly, let's just talk about who a quantity surveyor is and what they can do in your project. So a quantity surveyor or a QS for short, they're a costing professional. So the dictionary actually defines a quantity surveyor as a person who calculates the amount of materials needed for building work and how much they will cost. The Australian Institute of Quantity Surveyors, however, gives a more comprehensive description of what a QS uh, is and does. And they say... Quantity surveyors have usually completed an appropriate tertiary degree course and undertaken work experience, which qualifies them for membership of the Australian Institute of Quantity Surveyors. They work on projects ranging from office blocks, schools, hospitals, factories to bridges, railways, oil and mining development, shipbuilding, and large process engineering works such as oil refineries. And I'll add there too that they work on residential projects. So uh, big residential projects through to individual homes and the Institute of Quantity Surveyors says, you know, anywhere that major construction work is carried out. They also add that a quantity surveyor is also known as a construction economist or a cost manager and it's one of a team of professional advisors to the construction industry. As advisors, they estimate and monitor construction costs from the feasibility stage of a project through to the completion of the construction period and after construction, they may be involved with tax depreciation schedules, replacement cost estimation for insurance purposes and, if necessary, mediation and arbitration. Quantity surveyors work closely with architects, financiers, engineers, contractors, suppliers, project owners, accountants, insurance underwriters, solicitors and courts, and with all levels of government authorities. Okay, so if you've not been familiar with the quantity surveyor before, that that gives you a pretty good understanding of what they can do. And as it said, they can be used during the design stage, you know, before the design stage at feasibility, they can be used during tendering, during construction and after construction. And they're the ones that prepare depreciation schedules for properties as well. So they can do an enormous amount when it comes to explaining and checking and recording the cost of constructing any project. And that includes your renovation or building project. Now another costing professional is a building estimator and they work slightly differently and they can't necessarily carry out all the tasks a qualified QS can. Uh, They do their jobs a bit differently and they produce slightly different bits of information however they can also be useful in preparing estimates for your building or renovation project. Now why would you need a QS or a building estimator in your renovation or building project? So You know, they're basically this costing professional that can give you an impartial view on what your reno or building project will cost. They can help you check it against your budget and they can assist you with preparing for your builder's quotes. So they will use recorded information in the industry about what current industry rates are for specific building materials and construction components, and they'll apply that to your project to work out an estimate of what it will cost to build or renovate. Now, many architects, particularly on projects I see that are, you know, $600,000 or more, and particularly getting up into over the million dollar mark, they'll get a quantity surveyor to review the drawings and specifications prior to tendering the project. And this will help an architect and the client anticipate the builder's quotes and really check that things are on track. And it's also seen to be an impartial, uh, I suppose, objective view. Some builders will look at a quantity surveyor's report and say, well, it'll never be the same as that because we're working differently. But when you're working inside a vacuum of information, you're really wanting to understand the cost of building or renovating, then a quantity surveyor report can be a really detailed and useful way to get this information for your project. So when should you get one involved, you know? Well, it's worth understanding that the quality of their estimate that they create, their cost report, it will be largely dictated by the quality of information that you can provide. So picture it this way. Now if you provide a bunch of concept drawings that are very sort of loose sketches and perhaps some photographs of the type of finish or standard project that you're, standard of project that you're seeking then a QS They'll need to make lots of estimations and assumptions on what your project will need uh, in order to, you know, prepare their cost report. So they'll be making assumptions about what materials you might be using, you know, what structure there might be involved, what might be your site might be like and what that might dictate about your costs. You know, there'll be lots of assumptions that they're needing to make. However, if you actually provide more comprehensive drawings, you know, including some structural engineering drawings, a soil test, specifications and schedules for all of your materials and your fixtures and your finishes, that will provide the QS with far more detail and mean that they don't have to make as many assumptions. You know, QSs, they'll actually measure your drawings. They'll measure the linear meterage of materials. They'll look through your schedules. They'll estimate the amount of framing that goes into the wall structure. They they dive into a really nitty-gritty level to figure out the physical costs of things to then put that cost against your project. Now understanding when to bring them in that of course can be tricky because you're obviously wanting to know sooner rather than later whether your project is on budget and ideally before you've invested a lot of time, effort and fees in the design and drawing of your renovation or new build. So this is where the designer's experience will be critical and their current knowledge of building costs and how those costs apply to your project plans. Now, if you head to the project diary uh, for uh, on Undercover Architect that that covers the Queensland, the renovation of the Queenslander, you know. That's a project where we used a quantity surveyor to prepare a cost report before we went to quoting with the builders. Now, we had huge time pressures on that project, so the owner wanted that project completed as soon as possible. And if you read through that project, Dara, you'll see there are several strategies that we'd employed to be able to crunch the timeline on the project overall and we actually went to an estimator so we didn't go to a quantity surveyor we went to a building estimator and we got them to price the project just before we went for quotes with the builders so we had comprehensive drawings we had some specifications and schedules we had the structural engineering done and and we had a package of drawings basically that were ready to get quoted on and the estimate that we got from the building estimator meant that we had a ballpark to work with. So it enabled the client then to objectively view the building quotes that they were getting back from the builders and uh, and that you know we could also have some information that checked it against the feelings that we'd had about cost and that we'd been thinking the cost would be. So it meant that the builder could be selected much faster. And that contract negotiations could be completed sooner as well with the builder because the cost, um, the building estimate report had that information, you could compare that to the building quote, you could question why things were more or less and make sure that everything had been included that needed to be and it meant that the builder was able to get on site much faster. Now, another alternative to getting a quantity surveyor or a building estimator on your project and and pay you know and paying for that cost report is actually to bring the builder on earlier and to pay them for their quoting services and to be them have them involved as a team member. So Dwayne Pierce of D Constructions, he talks about this in my interview with him in season four of the podcast. It's the last episode of season four. Really encourage you to check it out. It's a great episode if you haven't listened to it. And this is the way that he runs his projects and he finds it far more effective and streamlined overall and uh, because he gets to be involved early and gets to put his input into the constructability of a project and really inform the design with the cost and make sure that the design is moving on track with the bu- with the client's budget. Now many architects I know they'll employ either that process or they'll employ um, something that's a little bit similar that's called uh, really a negotiated contract with the builder. So they'll build, they'll bring the builder in early and the design and the builder quote will be worked up side by side. The builder again is then providing input as to the constructability of the project. They're improving the efficiency and the cost in that way. And then the designer, you know, the power of this of having that collaborative team is that the designer is also able then to inform the builder and and give the builder the information that they need to be able to understand the design intimately, so that the construction process on site doesn't you know undermine that design or lose that design essence in any way, and that the the when the drawings are executed in construction on site, that the design intent is really maintained through the project. Now in both these scenarios, a the negotiated contract or paying the builder for their quote and becoming a team member, you can see they're an active team member in your project. So they work collaboratively with you as the, as the client and with your designer and that gives you an opportunity to track your design against a construction budget and to adopt any time or cost saving measures along the way that the builder might be recommending or for the designer to explain, you know, perhaps the builder um, might not fully understand what is meant by by the design and so the designer has the opportunity to explain and the builder can then offer their input at that point without, as I said, losing the design intent. Now, This also gives you the opportunity to build a relationship with your preferred builder before they're running your project on site. You know you can actually use this time during the design process to really confirm that they're going to be the right builder for you, that they're working proactively, that they really care about you and your project and you know they can learn what your true priorities are as they see how they play out in your design process. And this can really help with navigating challenges on site, uh, you know, because they might need to make a decision on your behalf or they might come across something and instead of them needing to sort of overhaul things, they might be able to say, look, do you remember back when we had that conversation about this, when we were designing that specific area, you know, you said that you liked this, but you also like this, look, this thing hasn't been able to work on site, but I could get this to work. Is that going to be okay? And because they've been involved in all of those conversations from very early on, they can be an active team member in helping you deliver your home. Uh, on site. So, you know, this, this can be really handy. Now, if you've done your homework on your designer and you've found that you've built a trusting relationship with them, and then, then they're then recommending bringing a builder on as a collaborative team member, make sure you still meet with the builder, okay? You want to feel that they're ticking all the boxes of being a good communicator, that they're experienced delivering projects like yours, that they're delivering projects on budget, and, you know, and then consider bringing them as a team member early. And most 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 builders who charge for this it's actually very little compared to the service that they're providing and that the mo- and the money that they're saving in being involved early all right now, the question that I receive often from homeowners about this is that, you know, okay, we bring the builder on early. How do we know that the builder is actually pricing our project fairly? If they think that they're guaranteed this job and they're part of our team, how do how do we really check that they're pricing the project fairly? Now, this is a case of you doing your homework before you agree to this process at all. So you still need to do your homework on the builder. You still need to check out their previous work. You know, don't just take the designer's word for it. Talk to the builder's previous Clients, if you can, check their licenses, check their ability to pay their trades and their subcontractors and their overall business performance. You still need to do all of your checks as if you were bringing them on. Right before construction, you know, just because you're bringing them on early, uh, still do those checks and balances to make sure that they're going to be the right fit for your project and that you're getting a good feel of open communication and honesty from them uh, so that you don't feel that they're just being, they're just operating, uh, feeling like they're guaranteed a job and they'll charge you anything for it, okay? Now the processes that I'm describing here, these are not the same as builders uh, who have an in-house design service and who get you to sign a preliminary agreement with them to get them to design um, your project and make sure that it's moving on, you know, on train with your budget by getting quotes and costs along the way, um, and then then preparing your contract. So many builders have this service; they offer this in-house design service, and they they say that you know it. May that you can be sure that you're creating creating a design that is in alignment with your budget by working under that you know with their team of designers but i find that in that process the designer when the designer is actually in-house the designer ultimately works for the builder and not for you and so you know they're not then it's not the same as you having an external designer who brings a builder on as a team member you know, in this case with an in house designer, they're not really representing you as your advocate with the builder. They're really making your design and your design wishes and ideas fit the builder's delivery model and process instead. Now, this may work for you, okay? This may be exactly what you want, but it's worth being aware that you may not own the design. The preliminary agreement often has fine print in it that prevents you from being able to walk away with the design if you don't like the price being quoted or you find that there's something that the builder's doing that you're not happy with uh, and it can be very difficult to walk away with the design that you've invested a lot of energy and effort in um, to that point. So make sure that you read any preliminary agreements that you have, understand how the designer will be working with you, be really sure if that's the process that you want to uh, adopt with creating the design for your home before you embark on it. Now, I have two more questions, and the answers to these are a little bit quicker. Okay, so the next question is, do we really need a project manager? My knee-jerk reaction is, we can't afford that. It sounds expensive. If we use a reputable custom builder to do a new build, do, we, do, do I still recommend that they get a project manager. Now I always point this out, whoever you're working with, whether you're doing a a, a renovation or a new build, you know, whatever size your project is, the builder is not your project manager. They are their own project manager, so they are responsible for executing your project according to the contract that you sign with them, and that will obligate them to do certain things depending on the contract that you have in place. Now, a great builder, let me, let me make this clear, okay, a great builder who cares about their projects, their clients, and their ability to get future work, they will run their project well overall, and hopefully that's the type of builder that you find for your renovation or building project. It's always worthwhile realizing though that you still need someone to represent your interests on your project. Now this may be you or your architect or a project manager. Someone needs to be there in your corner, ready to handle anything if it should become an issue. So someone who can be there on site for weekly meetings, check that work is actually being done according to the drawings and keeping some accountability around program and cash flow for the project. And also being the one that responds to queries that the builder may have on a day to day basis about things that might not be explained in your drawings or any selections that need to be made or specific challenges that come up on on site now you will know I think deep down you will know whether you can actually perform this role or not. You know, perhaps you actually just don't have the time available to dedicate to your project, to be available at the end of a phone uh, should the builder need to call, to be able to be on site weekly, to attend site meetings and to do walk-arounds looking at your drawings and checking that things are being done according to the drawings. You know, you might not have the ability to have difficult conversations either, to actually hold people to account. Many homeowners, they'll get to this point because they actually totally underestimate Uh, how emotional the process of building or renovating a family home is. And because of this emotional piece, you know, they get blindsided by how emotional it is. And then everything feels so personal. And so that can make it then really difficult for homeowners, particularly women, to give feedback or to point out when the builder isn't performing, you know, how you expected or how you felt you were paying for on your project or when you don't like something happening the way that it is. The other thing is that you can feel just totally out of depth with all the terminology and the processes on site and so that can feel far more stressful uh, when you stay involved rather than outsourcing it to someone who has experience and knowledge and then just comes to you when your input's required and then they can actually translate what it is that's needed from you so that you can achieve things far more efficiently. Now, I have a friend who actually recently renovated her place in Sydney. I did the initial design for her, and then she worked with a local company in Sydney to get the project, the design finished and the project um, built. And it was a big renovation. It had a significant amount being added to her home. She works part-time. She's got three kids with very busy schedules, and she has a husband who travels a lot for work. So she realized very early on that she actually didn't have the time or the desire to be the one in conversation regularly with the builder. And that actually just wasn't in her nature to have those challenging conversations where you might need to stand your ground or give constructing criticism, constructive criticism about something that you don't like. And I always find it really, um, I find it really interesting, particularly for women who are building or renovating. Um, you know, so many women particularly mums um are you know able to go into bat for their kids at school say something's happening with their kids at school that they don't think is fair or reasonable they'll be like a total lioness and go into bat for them they'll do the same for their friends you know fiercely stand up for their friends rights and uh and help their friends get what they you know feel they should be entitled to but when it comes to their own stuff and this just isn't for building and renovating this can be for everything um they find it very difficult to have those challenging conversations to stand their ground and to and to speak up for themselves um and, and often it's because of that emotional piece happening behind because it does feel so personal. You've got so much invested. It feels like there's so much at stake. And and so it can be it can feel really overwhelming and nerve-wracking. And if you feel out of your depth, you're not sure if you've got permission to ask the things you want to, uh, whether you're being a difficult client and homeowner by, by speaking up the way that you want to. You want everything to sort of go smoothly and for everybody to get along and for, you know, people to do a great job on your project so you don't want to make their lives difficult. So all of that gets swept up in your ability to actually stand on site and execute, see your project get executed the way that you're expecting and what you've been paying for. Now my friend realized this very early on. She realized that this was not going to be her. This was not going to be her standing in a weekly site meeting having these kinds of conversations and keeping everything on track and keeping everyone accountable. So She had a project manager who handled this for her and she told me when she'd finished, she actually said to me she literally only had one or two conversations with the builder and it was when everything was finished and uh, she still, you know, she still visited site regularly. She would go there at specific times and um, she'd have walk-arounds with the project manager Um, but any concerns that she had or questions that she had, they were directly given to the project manager and then the project manager would respond to her or take it up with the builder or translate to her if that was something that was just part and parcel of the process or, you know, that she needed to wait for something else to happen in order to see that. So it was like having this, you know, industry person inside the process who was representing her interests and and protecting her rights um, and also then helping her stay informed of when it was appropriate or when it was necessary to say things as well. So, you know, this, this for her was the best way to get what she wanted from her project and to manage her own life and its demands uh, and not cause herself undue stress in the process. And so she actually said to me she totally underestimated just the amount of decisions that she'd need to make along the way. And that's really common feedback for those that have come out the other side of a renovation or building project. And so for her, that was enough. She just needed to know that she had to keep making those decisions and let somebody else handle the day-to-day stuff of dealing with the builder and keeping all of those things on track. Now, if you don't want to use a project manager, you need to understand that you're going to have to perform this role, okay? weekly site meetings are something that are really important for keeping the building project on track, keeping that point of communication, and I really encourage you then to spend more money on your drawings up front, okay? So, you know, the less the less that you spend on your drawings, on your documentation, on your specifications and schedule, their schedules, then I find that one of two things will happen in your project. So the first thing that can happen is you'll get a builder who'll just make decisions on your behalf. In the absence of the information being in the drawings or specifications or schedules, they'll just make decisions on your behalf in order to keep progress happening on site. And you may not like the decisions that they're making, um, but you have very little recourse to do anything about it. And the second thing that can happen is that you'll have the builder frequently calling you to get decisions made and disrupting whatever else you've got going on in your life. And any delays that you cause in making those decisions, you know, they they will obviously cost in time on the project and they can also cost money in delay costs that the builder will be entitled to charge for your contract. And they're just actually very frustrating for everybody involved as well. Now, I have lots of people say to me, do I need to live next door? Do I, you know, do I need to be doing this in order to make things happen on my site? To me, that's not the solution, okay? you need to get a good team. All right. You need to bring forward your decision making and all of your selections. You need to pay for decent quality drawings so that assumptions actually don't need to be made for your project. I often find that when people say they had to live next door and they were on site every day answering questions, it's because they didn't have a decent package of drawing and specifications up front. They had very few drawings for their project. And so they were there needing to explain things to the builder on a regular basis, which meant that they had to be really close to the site and be able to be available to be on the site at short notice. Now it is important though that you set a process for regular meetings and for points of communication as well. So you know you need to figure out if you're going to be the person that's managing that, being at those weekly site meetings, being the one that the builder picks up the phone to speak to if they've got a question or a concern and or, or decide if you're outsourcing that either to a project manager or your designer or somebody else. So that gives a bit of information about the whole project manager um, conversation. I've also got a blog on the website that is an interview with a project manager. And so he shares some of the the ways that a project manager can work. and, uh, And so I'll pop that link in the show notes too. Now, the last question we have, and this is a bit of a mindset one. So this person said to me, I'm struggling to have time to dedicate to getting my project going. I feel I can't give it the attention that I want, and it's just going to take forever for us to start to even start, let alone to get our project finished. So, how can I get going? Now, this question doesn't just apply to renovating or building. I actually find that this applies to pretty much any project uh that we want to do or things that we want to achieve in our life now to share a personal story with you almost four years ago I left an architectural practice that I co-owned uh I had five business partners and we'd been in operation for almost five years we had a team of around 20 and we had a studio in Brisbane where I was based and then we also had a studio in Sydney now many of the team that we had they were people that I'd worked with for around 12 years uh you know, we we'd all sort of been at a previous business together. Now, when I started Undercover Architect, when I left that business and I started Undercover Architect, you know, this it this there became this massive steep learning curve in all of the things outside of architecture. You know, building a website, marketing, creating online programs, doing this podcast, writing a blog, running social media even learning more about you, the gorgeous homeowner, and, you know, really what you wanted to hear from me, what was going to be really useful and really make a difference to your renovation or building project. Now, whilst I have a very small team now, so much of building the business happened with just me on my own, you know, sitting at my computer until the wee hours of the morning, figuring out some piece of technology or something else. You know, there was loads of solo happening, high-fiving happening, um, you know, me congratulating myself, giving myself a pat on the back when my, I'd managed to wrap my brain around some piece of technology. And there were also loads of tears when I just couldn't get it to work and I felt really lonely and just couldn't seem to get done what I needed to get done and over that time I have read loads and I've studied loads and I've implemented loads of hacks and learnings to improve my productivity and my ability to operate outside of my comfort zone on a regular basis. Now I do this knowing that I feel nervous and a little terrified but I move forward anyway Why? Well, because I know the goal is worth it. You know, the dream I have is a big one and it's one that I want more than anything to achieve. And so I keep working away at it and moving closer and closer to it step by step. Now I'm not perfect at it. Sometimes it's, you know, one step forward, two steps backwards. Sometimes I fall into the trenches and I get focused on stuff that doesn't move me forward or I get distracted by everyday life. And to be frank, sometimes I simply don't feel like doing the stuff that you know that is hard sometimes i feel like doing what comes more easily to me Uh, than constantly stretching myself but I remember the goal and I get back on the path and sometimes that happens after sheer stubbornness and resistance um, but I get back on it nonetheless and I haven't done it alone. I've done it surrounded by beautiful people who've supported and encouraged me and I've done it being cheered on by you the gorgeous UA community who have shown me and connected with me about just the difference that Undercover Architect makes to your journey of building or renovating your home and you know for me that's what this business has always been about I've I am incredibly passionate about renovating and building being an enjoyable experience for you and and it helping you create a home that actually works for you that transforms the lifestyle that it helps you lead and that uh that really just brings uh every all of those pieces together so that you create a beautiful home and that your dreams get to come true Now, all of this stuff that I've been learning about how to operate outside of my comfort zone, about how to be more productive, about how to keep stepping forward even when I don't necessarily feel like it or I feel like there's not enough time or I feel like there's other things that I should be doing, you know, all of this is the same for your renovation or building project. Henry Ford said this statement and you've probably heard it before. He said, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're probably right. Now, a lot of our, you know, our thoughts around I can't or I don't have time, they're actually fears and nerves packaged up as excuses so you know and I get it I so understand and I've experienced it personally we are so busy with very full lives and being pulled in a million different directions every day so it's real it's totally real Um, that feeling of having too much to do is real because we actually usually have too much to do you know too much that we actually can't possibly achieve it in our regular 24-hour cycles you know I, I create these lists of things that I want to do in a day and then I in hindsight, I look back at them and go, seriously, Amelia, Amelia, that was interesting. Where did you think those extra 12 hours were going to come from that you needed to complete that list within that 24-hour period? Now, the antidote to all of this, and I find that this applies everywhere, but particularly in renovating and building, is to take small steps. I have a friend Emma Isaacs who heads up Business Chicks and she often says you know in 12 months you'll wish you started today you know so make sure that you take those small steps don't wait for that magic bucket of time to arrive that you can give your planning um, that you can give over to planning or renovation or new build because chances are that magic bucket of time is not going to appear it rarely turns up so instead set yourself you know goals each week that you can chunk down into small steps. You know, a great place to start is actually just answering the four questions that I share in the very first four episodes of the Get It Right podcast. You know, if you haven't listened to them or you haven't listened to them in a while, head back to those episodes and check them out because they give you a framework for getting started in your project in a way that means that you'll be moving in the right direction towards your future finished home. One of the um, women that uh, I've learned from is a woman named Rachel Miller. Um, She actually teaches a lot about Facebook, but she said this great um, comment where she said, learn the difference between can and can't. It is easy to get overwhelmed and slide into the mental world of I can't. But what that does is let your task list control you. Instead, say, I can do that, but instead I'm choosing to do X, Y, or Z. This little change in the way that you work and talk about tasks will actually help you be 10 times more productive. Now you may think this is all a bit woo-woo but I actually find the language that goes on inside my head is far more powerful a tool for getting stuff done than any list or you know me trying to sleep less so I can squeeze more into my days. All right so next time you're saying I can't do this to myself try and replace it with I choose and see if that actually helps you assess how you're spending your time and how you're juggling your tasks and your priorities uh, accordingly and whether that helps you reassess things overall. Now that's it for the episode so we've had a couple of practical (laughs) know-how tips and then one mindset one so I hope you found that helpful. Next episode I'm actually going to be sharing with you a new project diary that's going to be starting on Undercover Architect. So if you've ever checked out the project diaries on the Undercover Architect blog you'll see that there's two there at the moment. So one is for the Andersons who built a new home um, from scratch for their family of five. It was a small lot home and it was a really economic build and we go through the process of what was involved in doing that and then there's another one there for the renovation of a Queenslander cottage and that's the one that I referenced earlier we had big time crunches on that project and a lot of strategies that we employed to save time so that we could get to site faster and that we could finish that project sooner. Now these project diaries they're a great way to follow the journey of another homeowner who may be going through a similar process to you and your project and you can really learn from that journey and from uh, and from the things that we did along the way. Now you may or may not be aware that the Andersons who were in the project diary for building a new home, they actually sold that home late last year. They moved back to New Zealand where they're originally from so it all happened quite unexpectedly and very quickly as it was a great opportunity for their family and everything kind of you know aligned to make it happen. And so late last year I designed a brand new home for the Andersons. Now they've bought a big block, it's over 5,000 square meters, to build their forever home on. And so in the Next episode, I'm gonna take you through the design process. So what I considered and how I worked with them to design this forever home for a site that I haven't visited. And it's the third time I've worked with the Andersons. I did a renovation design for them first up, then their new home, which is the project diary. And then there's now this home. And so, you know, I do know their family very well, um, but these ideas, they can apply to any family home, especially one that needs to work for your family over the long term. Now, the Andersons, they're regularly taking photographs as their project progresses. And so we're going to be sharing those photographs on the blog with you as well. And there's also some drone, some drone footage, which is awesome. So um, so Claire has set up a YouTube channel and I'll be sharing some of that drone footage as the project progresses so that you can really follow along and see how this project comes to life. Now, remember to head to undercoverarchitect.com generally. Okay, look, this I've worked in... in you know to, to create this beautiful resource for you uh, where you can get loads of support and guidance as you get ready to build or renovate your home now of course there's all the previous podcast episodes but there's also a, over 150 blogs on a range of topics to give you extra info and guidance you know what your most powerful asset in your project is you You hold the key to unlocking what is possible for your home, your budget and the outcome your renovation or new build will create. You being an informed homeowner is seriously the difference between a great project and a disaster. It's what helps you have the clarity and confidence in finding the best team, knowing how to ask for what you want, being sure you'll get what you pay for and getting it right in your future home. Think of Undercover Architect as your secret ally. Thanks so much for listening. I'll see you next time. Bye.